0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the app store. Good morning. It is a good morning. Lots of things happening here around the church. Fall is in the air. I love it. It's my favorite time of year. And... Uh, We are going to start a new series this morning talking about seeking. Take a few weeks to talk about this topic, seeking. Are you seeking? And if you are, what are you seeking? Seekers are looking, right? They are looking for something. They're on a hunt. A Seeker's on a search. They are on a mission. And that mission is to find perhaps something that was lost, something that we once had, and we just get passionate. We've got to find it. We have got to get our hands on it. Or more so, it seems, something we've never really been able to, to get a great hold of, maybe something we've never even had. We're seeking. We're searching. We're looking. And it's work. It takes effort to search. And it seems that's, that's built into, I think, all of creation. It seems every moving creature God has created seems to be on a search for something. At least I know it's, it seems innate in the squirrels. I've got a lot of them in my yard. And now is a time i look out there, I can, any morning, any given morning I can look out, I can see at least a half a dozen. At least. I'm not exaggerating. And maybe more. And they are, they are looking. And if, if they find an acorn, I've got this big oak tree next to my house that has, for whatever reason, I don't understand why there's a bumper crop of acorns in certain years. And on other years, it seems like nothing. But this year is the bumper crop. So, All throughout the night, these things fall on the roof of the house. They sound like bricks. Bang, you know, bang. And they roll off and they clunk into a gutter. And they're piling up and the squirrels get them. The squirrels are looking for them. They are on a hunt. And then once they get them, they're looking for a place to hide them. And they look and they dig a little spot. It's not good enough. They look around more. They have to find the perfect spot. Sometimes it's this little corner on my deck. I don't know. They leave a little acorn there thinking it's a perfect hiding spot. But they're on, the, they're on the hunt for the best possible hiding spot. And when winter comes, I watch them out in the snow and they're digging around. They never remember where they put the things. So <laughs> they're on the hunt to find them again. Uh, and, and I think all of us, we're on... Uh, we're built uh, to look. We're built, uh, it seems our the human psyche too has been programmed to be on a quest for something. And what is that? What are we on the quest for? What are we on the hunt for? It's, it's the greatest job or it's the biggest bank account or it's the fastest car. It's the highest thrill. Put EST on the end of just about any word, and someone is likely working toward that. They are seeking it. They are searching to achieve it. The highest, the deepest, the loudest, the softest, the brightest, the darkest, the the coldest, the hottest. You name it. You name it. And someone is likely seeking to attain that. And I've got a little example this morning of uh, thrill seekers, in essence, and they are they are doing what they call seeking nirvana. Let's look at this little example of seekers. share the need. We all share the never-ending search for nirvana. The search for nirvana never ends. I'm looking out at all of you skiers and I know some of who you are and you want to know where those guys are at you want to get lost in that cloud of powder they are seeking nirvana nirvana it's it's the highest achievable state for the Buddhists they call it enlightenment perfect peace Nirvana, for this group in the video, it's the highest mountain with the powderiest snow ever. And they've experienced some great places. They've experienced some great thrills, some fantastic runs, some of those helicopter spins. But there's more. There's more. They want more. And they know it's unattainable. They say it. The search for nirvana, it never ends. It's a never-ending quest. And that's the way it is for so much of what we search for. We never find it. Pano, the, the lead singer of YouTube, or YouTube, You 2 He's out on YouTube, there's no doubt. He's on that same quest. Wrote a song about it. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Is it never ending? Edgar Allan Poe wrote a poem about the search for the mythical city called El Dorado. And in that poem there was a there was a bright and shining night set out in his youth. Seeking the golden city of El Dorado. And the poem takes us through his life. And at the end of his days, he's still searching. He's left unfulfilled. Never finding that great city of gold. Poe closes the poem. And as his strength failed him at length, he met a pilgrim shadow. Shadow said he... Where can it be, this land of El Dorado? Over the mountains of the moon, down the valley of the shadow. Ride, boldly ride, the shade replied, if you seek for El Dorado. In other words, the knight who started young and strong is old and tired. He's ready to expire he was going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. He's just been, in essence, through life chasing his shadow. And he's still on this quest. He's still on this quest for the city of gold. And he would die without success. And and there's the there, it seems, is the sum, the end of it all. The, this word success, it sums up for many the goal, the goal that for them uh, seems so out of reach. And how can we be successful? How can we actually put success in our reach? How can it be that it's not unattainable and that we seek for something worthwhile? That we can learn from others. We can ask questions. We can look uh, for successful people, whether it's bosses or parents or teachers, mentors, and emulate them. We can put the negative people out of our life. Don't listen to the naysayers. Treat everyone as we would like. You know, follow the golden rule. Don't try to be someone that we are not. Count our blessings. All of these are great suggestions. They're all very good. But we have to have the right perspective on what it is we seek. We can follow all this great advice, but if our, if our focus is wrong, if our perspective is misdirected in terms of what we are seeking, then we're going to have trouble. If it's the success that we seek, if it's the success that is the goal, we're going to likely fail. And I'll bring to you a way of explanation through, of course, a biblical example. And I want to use the example of a king in the Old Testament. It's the account of the king named Uzziah. We read about him in 2 Kings 14 and 15, but more so in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. It gives a more thorough account of his life. And I want to read to you verses 3 through 5. Of 2 Chronicles 26. It says, When Uzziah was sixteen years old, Uzziah was sixteen years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem fifty-two years. His mother's name was Jequaliah. She was from Jerusalem. He did was he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So Uzziah took the throne at a young age, young man, just 16 years old. After either his father, King Amaziah, had been exiled... Or perhaps even been assassinated. There's some that say the two kings overlapped for a while. Others that after his father had been killed. But we read that Uzziah did what was right. He did what God saw as right. In the eyes of the Lord, Uzziah had done the right thing. And it says just as Amaziah, his father, had done. But that reference is really only to the Early years of his father's reign. If you look back just one chapter, chapter 25, you'll see that for the 16 years that Uzziah was on the earth before he became king, it was likely that his father had already lapsed into being a bad king. He had turned his back on God. And that's why the people eventually ran him out of Jerusalem, and assassinated him. He had turned his back on God. He was uh, not following the way of the Lord. And his son, now Uzziah, was seeking a better way. He was seeking a better reign. He was seeking a better way for the people of Judah than he had witnessed with his father Amaziah. And the object of his search was set. The perspective was right. He had his eye on the Lord. He was seeking the Lord. And how did he do that? He had a helper. He had an intercessor, a mentor who instructed him. His name was Zechariah. We don't really know who this particular Zechariah was with great detail. Likely the only mention of him is here in Second uh, Kings. He's not the prophet Zechariah. We know that for sure because that Zechariah came many years later. This Zechariah that helped out King Uzziah was likely a priest, perhaps a prophet, And he taught this young man. He taught him to search God. He taught him the ways of the Lord. He taught him to know the Lord's desire. What did they have at that time? They had the word from Moses, which is our first five books of the Bible, the first five books of the Old Testament. These are the words of Moses that God had given to him. The book of the law, some call it. He had some of the Psalms. He had some of the Proverbs. We heard from Proverbs 8, 12 earlier. I love those who love me and those who seek and find me. And Zechariah taught Uzziah to seek. He taught him to be a seeker. And as long as he was seeking out God and the ways of God and searching, what would God have me do? And God, what would your direction be? And how should I do this? As long as he did that, God was in the success business. It was God that gave him the success. He was looking to the word of God. He was praying. He was asking for direction, and God blessed him. It seems God blessed the man, and whatever he set his hand to, and Uzziah had great success. If you continue to read through Second Chronicles twenty-six, you see that Uzziah had success against his enemies. He conquered his enemies. He conquered the Philistines, and he expanded Judah's territory. Other of his enemies paid him tribute. His power extended all the way down to the borders of Egypt, and even Egypt respected this king of this little small country of Judah. And he increased also agriculturi- agriculturally. He increased uh, the food production. You read about that further on in Second uh, Chronicles 26. And Uzziah was quite the agriculturalist. He dug cisterns, and he irrigated the wilderness, and he made the wilderness uh, lush farmland. It was. It became fertile for crops, and there was good harvests, and he built watchtowers around his fields so the enemies couldn't come in and steal the food, and he grew plush vineyards on the hillsides. God gave him success, and he built up the military. Further along in Second Chronicles 26, we read that Uzziah put together a well-trained army, over 300,000 men, and he increased the budget for defense. He supplied them with all the proper weaponry, he gave them armor for defense, he manufactured modern weapons of his time, catapults and ballistas and these arrow-shooting machines. And he was successful. He was successful in whatever he put his hand to. Because he had his eye, he had his eye on the Lord. And then we get to verse 15. We get to verse 15, and the end of that verse reads, His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped. He was greatly helped. The Lord helped him. He was greatly helped in all that he did. God was the one giving him the success. He was greatly helped. Then we have this word, until. Until he became powerful. Not a good word until. Something something happened. If you're reading along here and you see he was greatly helped until he became powerful, you're probably thinking, there's more to this story. And it's probably not good. He became powerful. Then what? Then we read the dark, the dreadful, the life-altering conjunction that begins verse number 16, but. He became very, uh, he received his help until he became powerful, but. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. This Is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. So they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. Not a good end. Not a good end for the life of Uzziah. Uh, A young man who started out well, seeking the Lord, allowing the Lord to be in the success business, while what he did was look for direction. But he decided what? He decided he no longer needed to seek the Lord. And God judged him. He had experienced some great success. And he determined he could do it on his own. He determined that he could be a priest. But God had defined the priesthood. Priest had to be Levites, and they had to be special Levites, not just any Levite. They had to be descendants of Aaron, the Levite. God had commanded that. God had set it into place, and Uzziah, the seeker of God, had surely known it. He was rejecting the Lord. He was rejecting seeking the Lord. He disregarded the good counsel of his mentor and of his intercessor, Zechariah. He set his sights on something unattainable. He had in his mind his own nirvana. He had created some image in his head of this golden Eldorado. He was on a quest for something that he could not attain. And it resulted in his leprosy. And that leprosy was a shadow that clung to Uzziah until his death. Uzziah had stepped out of bounds. He went outside of his calling. He was a king. Not a priest. The success he achieved, granted by God, it didn't satisfy him. And there's something in this for all of us to learn. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So, first, don't step out of your bounds. Uzziah was filled with pride, he thought that he could do whatever he pleased. Pride was his downfall. He stopped seeking the Lord and he thought, I'll be someone I'm not called to be, but I can do it. And sometimes we think that ourselves. When God has uniquely gifted us, God has given us talents and he wants us to use those gifts and he wants us to use those talents to their very best, but we decide we have other gifts. Oh, I can do better. I can do better at something I'm not qualified for. You know, Paul in the New Testament, he likens this, the, the, the kingdom of God to a body where we all operate within our bounds and we operate within our gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he gives us this great example of the body. I'll read you a little excerpt of verses 18 to 22. Paul wrote, but in, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We all have different and varied gifts and talents, don't we? And we shouldn't think them too small. We shouldn't think... They're too insignificant. We shouldn't get prideful and say, Well, I can do something different or better. If we have been gifted, using the metaphor of the Apostle Paul, as a foot, well, we shouldn't sulk about it or be so prideful that we think we should be a hand. Not if God made us a foot. If God made us a foot, and we know it, we should seek God for help and ask him for direction and counsel to be the best possible foot there ever was. Not set our sights and be in the hand or the eye or, or, or some other part. I think too often this is a barrier for us. It's a barrier to excelling in the kingdom of God. It can be applied really to any, any spot in our life. I, I, could be, I could be a better boss than the boss that I have. But maybe I'm not gifted to be the boss. Or or I could be be the better in a neighborhood association president. Man, the one we got is lousy. He's terrible. But I'm gifted to be the treasurer. Why am I trying to be the president? I know. I know I could be a better Sunday school teacher than the one I have. Or I could be better at this or that or the other thing. And we could go on and on. And instead of doing that, seek God. God, enable me in what you've gifted me in. Lord, I want to be the absolute best in the areas that you have uniquely qualified me. God, help me. Let me look to his word to help find direction. Lord, open doors of opportunity for me that I might be able to step into areas where I can use these gifts and you can expose them and help me to hone them and make them better. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So don't step out of bounds. Seek God for what he has given you already. And and second, don't, don't make success the goal. Uzziah had amassed a huge army. He reclaimed and he, he rebuilt cities. He turned wilderness into farmland. Maybe he thought he could be like the pagan nations whose kings or pharaohs would also sit in their religious temples. And they were the leader of the the religion, of the culture, worshiping false gods, doing whatever ritual they did, and and sacrifices, or burning of incense. Perhaps Uzziah thought he could incite some great revival by being a priest. The burning of incense in the Old Testament temple, it represented the people's prayers. The multitudes would gather outside the temple at the hour of incense, And they would stand there and pray as the incense was burned and and it rises up. And we read uh, scriptures that remind us of this. We read in the New Testament when Zechariah the priest, who was Elizabeth's husband, when he was burning the incense, the multitudes gathered in prayer. We read later in the book of Revelation that the incense is pictured as the prayers of people rising up to heaven. Maybe uh, Uzziah thought he could have a a temple overflowing with worshipers because he was burning the incense. Somehow, something, I can imagine he had envisioned some great thing and pride was welling up inside of him. And he thought, I could do better than this high priest. I know I can do better. I'm going to go in there. I'm the king. I can do it. Whatever he imagined as his success, he put it above the Lord. He put it above God, and he stopped seeking the Lord. Has success become the goal instead of the Lord, instead of seeking Him and pleasing Him? When we set up our own personal nirvanas, uh, when we imagine achieving our own Eldorados, when we want EST at the end of a word, we want the biggest house. On the block we want we want the largest uh, clientele in the office, we want the shiniest car in the parking lot, whatever it is. when we make it the goal instead of seeking the lord we 've lost our way, seeking God and not our own version of success. This has been something i 've been talking to our ministry staff about for probably a a year now. And I desire it really for the entire church. I want all of us to be seekers of the Lord, not seekers of success. None of us have, have attained everything that we need to know, that we need to learn, that we need to be in relationship about with the Lord, not a single one of us. It's the one thing that we can continue to seek and God will be faithful and he will bring the successes he sees fit uzziah had zechariah as his teacher and his intercessor but he rejected zechariah now we have the great high priest we have jesus christ jesus is our intercessor jesus is our mentor he is our example of being a seeker of God. If Jesus could seek God, then we can seek God. Jesus said in John chapter 5, this is uh, the end of verse 30, he said, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus sought his father's will. And he speaks more to this in just the next chapter, John 6, 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. It was the will of God the Father that Jesus would save mankind from the penalty of sin. And it meant a heavy price. It meant the life of our Lord. Jesus paid for sin with his life, given on a cross. But he did it seeking. He did it seeking to do the Father's will. He sought to do the will of his Father at all times. And because Jesus was this seeker of the will of God, we can have eternal life. It was the will of God. It was the will of God that Jesus would give his life for us. And Jesus obeyed that. Jesus sought the Father's will, and he went to the cross. We get eternal life out of that. It's, a, it's amazing. It's beyond my comprehension. But the penalty for sin has been paid by Christ Jesus. We, we sung about it this morning. Because of what Jesus did, we can have this eternal life. And as we walk this earth, we haven't attained getting to the next life yet. As we walk on this soil, look up to him. Seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer. Seek him at these altars when you have the opportunity. Seek him. Say things like, I I know your hand will lead me. I know, God, your hand will lead me safely home by thy good grace. Lead me, God. Seek him. Seek him in the sacraments. This morning, we're going to do that. We're going to take time to commune with the Lord, to remember he paid it all. We're going to sit down at the table of the Lord. And as we do that, he invites us to seek I want to ask our our deacons and our elders to prepare our communion. And as they're doing that, I want to read a scripture to you. This is from Luke chapter 22. As you uh, listen to this and as you receive the bread, please hold the bread. We bless it together and we eat it together. And the same with the cup. When the cup is passed, hold the cup until we pray over it. And all are welcome to partake in the Lord's Supper if you've called on Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and you acknowledge him as the one who paid the price of sin, you can commune at his table. Now Luke 22. It's the account of Jesus' Last Supper. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves, which one of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one this is an interesting account of the Last Supper in the book of Luke. At the Last Supper, the disciples hear about this betrayer, and then they begin to talk. They begin to ask themselves, what's going on? And then they begin to argue among themselves a dispute. They're fighting at the Last Supper. This is the last time they're going to sit down and have... Have dinner with their Lord Jesus. Thank you. And what do they do? They start arguing. And they're arguing about what? They're arguing about an EST. They're having an EST moment right here in front of their Lord and their Savior. Who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm sure, you know, I can hear Andrew or John or Peter. I'm the greatest. I know it. You know what? I was there when Jesus was transfigured. You know, that says something, you know. So we can count out at least uh, nine of you guys or or ten of you guys because uh, there was only a couple more with me. So that narrows it down. And among these others that are left, I'm the greatest. Can you picture it? They're looking for something beyond who they're supposed to be. They're stepping out of bounds. They've decided they should be someone they're not. And instead of seeking what the Lord would have for them right there, right there at that dinner, they're fighting. And Jesus, Jesus, he talks to them. If we read the book of John, I think this is when Jesus showed them his love. And he took a towel and he went and he just began to wash their feet. He showed them an example of what it means to serve. Uh, Jesus said to them, Who do you think you are? The greatest. Seriously, you should be the least. Don't seek. Don't seek to be the greatest. Seek to be the least. Don't seek to be the one who served. Seek to be the servant. This is the words of Jesus Christ at his last supper. He asked them to seek, to be the least, not the greatest, to serve, not to be served, and let Jesus do the rest. Let Jesus do the rest. He will bring what he wills to be the success. So I want you to take a moment this morning and just examine your heart. The word invites us to examine our heart, and we should do that. But you examine your heart. If you've neglected seeking God, if you're seeking something else if you're reaching for a place you shouldn't be reaching if if you've stepped out of your calling talk to him examine yourself before we bless this bread god thank you thank you for the cross thank you for the good example of jesus christ our savior and our lord thank you for salvation God, before we take this bread, if we haven't been seeking you as we should, looking to you for life's direction, if we've stepped outside our calling, if we're trying to be someone we're not, if we think we're the greatest, God, help us to be the least. God, help us be smaller and Jesus be bigger. Help us to honor God, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Forgive us, Lord, for anything we've done that might have come between us and you. We want to be clean vessels to receive the bread. God, thank you that you'd offered us this grace. Thank you you've given us the opportunity to seek you before we receive this bread. Lord, we want to honor and remember Jesus properly. So we thank you for that and we trust you hear our prayer. So God, we hold this bread up high and we say, Bless it, Lord, bless it unto us. Bless it, God, as the broken body of Jesus Christ who died for us, may we may we know in our mind and our heart with assurance that He gave His very life to satisfy the penalty of sin? And we can be set free from that penalty as we've received Christ. And as we receive this bread, may it be a great reminder of that. And may it bless us. May it bless us and may we find grace in it today. In that name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let's eat together. If you're wondering about other ways that you can seek, we've got opportunities for you to seek the Lord right here. On Wednesday we're starting a great group of options. One's perfect when God calls. If you feel like I don't even know what where I'm called to be. There's a great there's a great opportunity for you Wednesday night and we have five others if you're a man seeking to be a better man, if you're a woman who wants to seek to be better for the Lord. If you're having financial issues, you you need, Lord, help me. I need some help there. We have a class for that. We have a group that's going to study the word and something that will help them with their family. So there's there's something for everyone to help you seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and put success success into his hands. Let's, uh, Let's think about that as we... Bless this cup, Father. Thank you for the success that we have in eternal life that came by the way of Jesus Christ, his blood in this cup. Lord, the cup represents his blood. We thank you for that, the new covenant in blood that offers us a way, a new and living way. The throne of grace is wide open to us through the intercession of Jesus, our high priest, who's alive and he intercedes for us. And we thank you for that, God. May he ever be our mentor and our director, and our guide. And may he ever be the one we seek for all in life. Lord, bless this cup unto us. May it richly be a cup of blessing as we remember what Jesus did. In his name we pray, amen. Let's drink it together. If you're here, and you don't even know what we're singing about, this rugged cross, my salvation, where is blood poured out over me? If you're confused about that, You don't really get it. I want you to get it. I want you to understand that sin has caused a breach. It's a trouble. It's a problem. It puts itself in between us and God. And we can be seeking everything in this world. We can be seeking everything. And it's never going to satisfy. We will be like like the knight in shining armor who's after el dorado we're going to we're going to go to the grave without attaining it because we're searching for the wrong thing we're seeking after something that we can't get eternal life is attainable and it's attainable one way and it's by the precious blood of Jesus Christ He gave his life on the cross. He died for each and every one of us. If you haven't fully accepted that, today's the day to do it. Today can be a day that turns for you. It can be a day where you can say, yes, my debt is paid. It's paid in full whom the Son set free. You don't have to be in the bondage of sin. You don't have to be shackled by it. You don't have to be taken uh, down by it. You know I mentioned earlier these altars are a place to seek the Lord. If you need to seek him even for for that, I just invite you to come on down. Come on down and and kneel down and say, "Lord, I need you. Don't know you, but I'm here." I want this precious blood that Jesus spilled. I want this freedom. I want this liberty. I want to be set free. Just come on down and set yourself at these altars. And if there's anything else that you need, if there's anything else that you need help with, you have been seeking something you shouldn't be. You have been, you know you're outside where you're supposed to be. Come on down and leave it here. Put it in God's hands. Ask him to be your leader and your guide and your director. Seek him. He'll give you this success. You don't need to get it. You don't need to get the success on your own. Put that out of your mind. And I'll tell you, you'll be blessed. You will be blessed when you give it up. It's, it's the strangest thing to read in, in Scripture that if we give up our life, God gives it to us. But it's true. You Just yield to him. Yield to him. Give your heart to him. Give your life to him. And you will be blessed. You can trust it. You can know it. As we sing this again, if you want to come down for prayer, please do. Take time. Don't, you don't need to rush out. These altars are a place where you can seek God. And we thank you for your holy presence that's here this morning. God, for every person in this sanctuary, we thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're a good God and a good Father. Help us to continue to seek you in all we do and trust you'll bring whatever success as you see fit. Thank you, God. Now raise your hands, if you will, for the blessing that God gave Aaron for those of Israel. And it's, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And may the peace of God that passes understanding keep every heart and every mind and every soul through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. As you go today, you can go, but remember there's still some here praying. And if you want prayer, you can still come forward and avail yourself at these altars. Bless you this morning.